Welcome, everyone, to a new episode of Vest and Friends. I am your host, Dean the Vest Lord DeFalco, and with me today, I have a special guest. I have the specialist of guests. Um, I have probably the largest uh, of entities that I know uh, to do this podcast with me on a uh, very special Halloween episode. And this is another, none other than the uh, the Vest King, the the man who gave me my uh, my birthright, uh, the Fat Man, uh, my dad, Tony DeFalco. That's me in the flesh. Uh, so we're gonna do uh, some more uh, scary movie mm-hmm. stuff because uh, Halloween is upon us, and uh, there's always a bunch of great scary movies to watch. And uh, I I picked one that I figured we could. Uh, uh, Dissect with its uh, its original. Uh, so we have the contemporary movie and the original. Uh, we're going to be talking about the thing. Uh, the original is the the thing from another world. The thing from another world. There we go. The thing. Nineteen fifty one. There you go. Fifty one. And uh, we're going to be comparing it with the nineteen eighty two uh, version, uh, which is just called the thing, which is uh, done by John Carpenter. Uh, there's also a twenty eleven release, uh, but we're not going to count that because that movie was garbage and no one likes that. I'm sorry. I'm sure there's some people out. There, but we're not going to talk about it. We're only going to be talking about uh, the 82 we, version, the 51. We version. know those people. We do. Oh yes, we do. Oh, they're terrible. Unmentionable. <laughs> All right, so uh, we're just going to hop right into it here. I have a few uh, notes just to keep us on track a little bit. Uh, so I figured we'd start with the general setting of the two movies. Uh, now you know the first one pretty well, so I'm going to let you explain that to people on how the the first one opens, you know, where it takes place and all those things? Well, primarily, uh, it opens uh, with three officers playing cards at the uh, officers club in Anchorage, Alaska. Uh, In walks a newspaper man, um, commonly known as, uh, I think, uh, Smitty. Um, And uh, they ask him what brings him up there. And uh, he said, uh, well, I got to have a story somewhere. Uh, Lead role is played by Kenneth Toby acting as uh, Captain Hendry. Um, two other officers, uh, one's his uh, sidekick and the other one's his uh, uh, co-pilot for that uh, big, jeez, uh, I guess it was a uh, DC, uh, DC-3 they were flying, all stainless steel. And they get notification from um, uh, General Fogarty, uh, who's also in Anchorage, uh, directs them to investigate a disturbance up at the, way up in the North Pole, um, the uh, disturbance is reported by a Dr. Carrington, a physiologist, scientist, blah, 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 blah. I said it was unexplainable, um, and he needs backup help. Uh, from there, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll defer to you and uh, let you uh, catch up on the, uh, the current 1982 movie uh, to where it is at that point. Uh, so, so basically, the, the two differences in the, the movie is, uh, you know, one, they're discovering this uh this this uh monster more or less Creature. and uh the the nineteen eighty two movie they're responding to a uh a distress call where they they find uh said creature i believe uh and there's uh, i i guess a lot more mystery around it because um in the original release you have it's more of like a scientific study where uh this is more of a reactionary thing in the nineteen eighty two version of just they find this thing uh, kind of happening upon a wreckage of another uh, research vessel, uh, research commune. Uh, so uh, after that, they, they kind of go their separate ways as far as the uh, the setting goes. But, I, I mean, obviously you, you said we, – we talked about this a little bit beforehand. You said you prefer the original 
a little bit more than the the se- yeah, not sequel I, I, remake. I, I have my reasoning for that, and it, it, it's solely personal. But uh, during those days, I was six years old when I saw that picture. My brother t- took me to see it, and uh, he was eight years old when I was. And um, at the first sign of the uh, creature, who was played by uh, none other than uh, Sheriff Matt Dillon, James Arness. Uh, at the first sight of the creature, uh, we weren't the only one that ran out of the movie. Um, but uh, getting getting back to uh, the movie itself, the the dialogue was put together. Uh, it was a nail biter. Uh, although there was some horror in it because of the uh, the creature, um, I, I I'd say it was more science fiction. Um, uh, replete with uh, some uh, high tech instrumentation they were using at that time. Right, right. Um, the uh, the uh, interference they were picking up was radioactive. Um, cuts to the chase, they finally landed that beast of a stainless steel uh, prop driven airplane, and um, met with uh, some of the uh, their old buddies that they haven't seen in uh, in months, some of them in years. Uh, camaraderies uh, were all around and. Don't you think that Captain Henry meets up with an old flame who was Dr. Carrington's private secretary? Up to you. All right. So you were talking a little bit about the dialogue in the movie, right? Very quick. The dialogue, uh, it was it was written, uh, scripted, I should say, by Howard Hawks. Howard, Howard Hawks was an incredible uh, producer, director during his times. Um, he also produced not only that that one in, in, incomparable movie, but he also did a, a big one with um, uh, a couple of actors you may or may not know, uh, Cary Grant and um, I forget the gal's name, and my wife does, but uh, yeah, it it uh, it was a comedy. But uh, his 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 dialogue is always fast moving, witty. Uh, uh, quick to the answer it kept the it kept the movie going at a at a uh, a, tr- a tremendous pace um and it, it, it let you believe that uh, something was going to happen and many times it didn't a door swung open and and um the sidekicks got the rifle in his hand and all it was was the wind and the snow blowing the door open um it starts to get uh, very interesting when Captain Hendry, Kenneth Toby, meets up with Dr. Carrington. And Dr. Carrington, uh, in so much, doesn't even acknowledge him. His eyes are fixed on a radar screen, a blip, a radar blip that's showing up. And for some reason, um, even though it was recorded, they can't explain it. So enter Captain Hendry with his crew um, in an effort to uh, go out there and take a look at the site where this disturbance is emanating from. Uh, yeah, so, the, you know, they there's a whole scene with them measuring out a spaceship and everything and uh, finding the creature and... Uh, well, not yet. All right, not yet, but... They found, um, they found, they found the, f- the spaceship. And uh, Smitty's... Um, I think I'm calling him by the wrong name. It'll come in a minute. But as they join hands and spread out to find the shape of this thing, he, he exaggerates and says, Holy cow... We finally found one. We finally found a flying saucer. That was the first time in the movie the, that term was used. Yours? Uh, I believe the name you're looking for is Scotty. Scotty, yeah. Well, His full yeah. name is Ned Scott. Ned Scott, movie. yeah. It begins with an S, anyhow. Uh, yeah, so 
you know, they, they, they find this ship, which is supposedly, you know, huge. They they spread out, hold hands, measure the whole thing uh, with really old school measurements. But, uh, yeah, it, it, it was an interesting part because, you know, you're, you're talking about uh, uh, an unknown object there and everything. You know, they're going to try and excavate it, uh, which is really cool. Uh, one thing I wanted to bring up was for the time... Uh, this movie was actually ran kind of long. It was uh, an yeah. hour twenty seven minutes. Yeah, yeah, it was long. Which I, for you know, f- by standard times, that's not a long movie. That's a normal length movie. Mm-hmm. But you know, for the times of the podcast we just did, we saw the Invisible Man, which was like an hour ten minutes, and the Creature from the Black Lagoon, which was roughly around the same time, maybe an hour fifteen. Um, yeah, it, it was lengthy, but uh, again. I, I'd have to say, in in my own opinion, it was a nail biter. It kept on the edge of the seat, and nobody knew what was going on until the creature first showed himself. Um, now, here comes an interesting part. They're in a quandary about how to excavate, so to speak, or get this thing out of the ice because it, it not only because of the heat rash it, that followed it, it showed a long trail through the ice, and then because of the heat generated by this thing, it eventually sunk in the ice and iced over. So um, their, uh, their uh, idea was to use what's called then thermide bombs, their thermal mass uh, bombs, um, highly heat-sensitive and heat-producing. Well, they set these things off, and unfortunately, it set off the chain reaction in this so-called flying saucer, and um, it exploded. They lost it, and they're all kind of pointing the finger at each other to say, uh, you know, oh, my God, we should have gone another route, another direction. And Dr. Carrington is, of course, blaming Captain Hendry, which he did all along in the movie. Fortunately, a telegraph comes from General Fogarty, and he says, use any means to get this thing out of the ice, thermite bombs if necessary. And Scotty exclaims, well, there you go. That lets you off the hook, Cap. Uh, so we're going to dial back on the um, the actual story of the, the movie uh, a little bit because I don't want to ruin it too much for people. But let's let's uh, talk about when they the, the last part of it, when they actually excavate the monster. There's a Geiger counter. They find out that, you know, a little bit over that there's an actual mass in the ice and everything and they decide to uh ac- they they see the the mass and everything they decide to excavate that with the try to get a large block of Pickaxes. it right so they're taking a much more um uh, easy approach to this and you know they they start realizing that this this shape is a really tall this, body this thing creature uh so um, you know, it, it goes through this whole thing where, you know, they bring it inside and, uh, they, they store it, but it starts to melt because it was like a malfunction with the thermostat or something. Well, one of the, uh, one of the non-commissioned officers, uh, was, um, ordered to stand watch and, um, they said, okay, we'll split up the watches in four hour shifts. Um, they said, okay, fine. You know, and they, he had his rifle next to him, the non-com officer and a big pot of coffee. And uh, he's he's reading a paper, and every once in a while he turns around and stares at the block of ice. And you could faintly see two eyes and a large torso. And he just got, he got spooked. So he threw this blanket over the block of ice. Which happened to be an electric blanket. Electric heat generating blanket. Smart guy. So I'm getting nearer, nearer, nearer to the uh, first showing of the creature where... 
he noticed after a, a short period of time uh, some water dripping. And um, he looks down, sees the water, hears the water dripping, turns around, and his face just, you could see the shock and awe. He pulls out his forty-five automatic and unloads the whole gun into the creature, goes screaming into the um, officer's mess where some of the officers are together discussing this. And um, he's incoherent, and one of the other scientists throws a glass of water into his face to try to calm him down. And this is when they start discussing the thing from another world. All right, so uh, let's let's jump back to the 82 movie real quick just to... You know, get get back to getting both movies kind of in line here. So, um, from what I remember on uh, seeing this, it's uh, they they kind of do a little bit of, I guess, uh, backtracking in the '82 movie where I think they show the saucer landing. Yes, and you know it, that's kind of cool that they give a little bit of backstory about how it happened. Blah blah. But. I, I think that's 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 how they try to um, meld the plot together. There are certain instances instances that bring you back to the 1951 movie, but not exactly. Right. Uh, so I'm I'm just gonna read a little bit of the uh, synopsis from the movie, so I don't go too far off in my own head with making my own canon here. Uh, basically, there's a distress call from a Norwegian camp. Uh, the uh, the there's uh, responders that come out in a helicopter starring uh, our, our main characters, which is uh, uh, R.J. McCready, which is played by uh, Patrick Swayze. Mm-hmm. And Kurt uh, Russell. Kurt Russell, sorry. The, uh, for some reason, I always get them confused. I have no reason why. Same or. I, I guess. Uh, so uh, they, they, they go out, look for answers in the camp. They don't find anything besides a bunch of burned remains of like uh, what looks like maybe a corpse of a human with two faces on it, which is a little weird. Uh, and they got some videotapes. Uh, the biologist performs an autopsy on the corpse um, that they, they bring back with them, which I believe uh, Dr. Blair is played by uh, Wilfred Brimley. In the, the movie, which is really cool. Uh, and uh, he he doesn't find anything weird besides the two faces on the, the human, which he assumes is just fused together people being burnt. Uh, and he just sees regular organs in the autopsy. Uh, and then flash forward a little bit. Um, there's a kennel with um, sled dogs in it. And that's when things start to go awry that um, th- this this. Uh, alien takes over uh, the sled dogs in the kennel and starts metamorphing into like this huge monstrous uh, this mess, which is the first time we see the alien in this movie. Now, this is where we start divulging on very different paths with the uh, the movies because you have the the monster from the original, which uses more practical effects, but a very scary. Uh, monster all the same, specifically for the time uh, where you have this large humanoid creature with some uh, different facial features. I believe he has like a kind of large forehead uh, 
And it just, he's like, what, seven feet tall? Pretty much. Yeah. Uh, muscular looking guy. He doesn't speak or anything, but he doesn't need to speak. All he needs to do is hit things. I believe he has like spikes on his uh, hands or Spike something, right? Claws. Yeah. yeah, the whole nine yards. One thing I forgot to mention, um, they ascertained just a little bit later in the movie that uh, his structure is made up of vegetative matter. Plant matter, right. Yeah. And they got this from um, cutting to the chase where they finally find the creature locked up in the um, um, the room where they have experimental plants and um, they find that uh, the uh, the plants are responding to some um, blood um, plasma plasma that dr. Carrington was feeding them unofficially so Captain Hendry finds this out and he does everything by the book except when it comes to the gal pal but uh, back to uh, Dr. Carrington and Captain Hendry. Um, Ca- uh, Dr. Carrington is playing the uh, scientific part, and Captain Hendry is playing the uh, the uh, Air Force cop. So what happens is they finally find the creature with the uh, radio, the Geiger counter, and they note that the creature is coming closer to the room that they're occupying, because in that room are the people that he needs. Uh, their blood from so there's a, a room full of them and the geiger counter uh, starts clicking louder and louder and they're counting it down three two one the creature slams open the door and front face view you could almost make out that it was james arness um but what they did was they doused him with kerosene and lit it with a flare gun so now the creature's on fire he's going uh <laughs> ballistic swashing everything in his in his path injuring in a few people and um he finally jumps out the one crashes right through the window right but uh what, what do you think of the uh, the actual monster design of the the creature which original or yeah, the original uh define that what did you like? Did you find it scary? Like, did you think it was an overall good makeup of the scary? The as, scary as hell for the for the time that it was. That was that was the first time uh, a creature like that was ever uh, constructed. And you have the creature from the Black Lagoon and all the rest of them, but that was that was the first one, and uh, it was damn scary. Uh, the lighting was great. Um, cinematography couldn't get better because it's black and white. Right. Uh, so, talking about that a little bit, you mentioned the uh, the the plasma from the uh, the monster, which I thought was like kind of a cool uh, side note in the uh, the movie was that using the the blood from the the, the monster, the plasma from the the creature, he was growing uh, plants or. Uh, not growing them. He was uh, helping plants grow that he had. Mutating them. Yeah, mutating them. And, uh, you know, it, it looked like they had a heartbeat the way they were moving it, and stuff. It, it was a really creepy uh, yep. scene, which was kind of cool. Yep. Um, so going back to the, uh, the the newer movie now, talking about the design of the uh, the monster a little bit, you, you see the first thing with the, uh, the dog, which, I, I mean, going further into the movie, which we'll get to, this is kind of more subdued. Um, but this thing comes out with like tentacles and stuff. It's dragging along half of the dog's body and everything. Kind of just looks like a mass with tentacles for the most part, which I mean is off-putting because I'm sure some people went into this movie thinking, you know, oh, it's the thing. So maybe they're going to have a guy in a bodysuit or whatever. And it's not like that at all. You know, they really went all out with the, the, the animatronics and, 
uh, the 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 makeup and prosthetics and everything. The special effects in that movie, the uh, 1982 version, were um, nothing less than phenomenal. I immediately compared it to uh, another movie, a couple of movies during the same um, the same era, uh, and and the special effects genre were um, Alien with Sigourney Weaver and Aliens. Uh, which was probably twice as scary as the original Alien, but same thing, creatures morphing into bigger, more disgusting creatures, uh, it just disgustingly abominable. Never saw anything like that. That was a scary movie, Alien and Aliens, and that's what I compared some of the uh, special effects in the uh, 82 uh, The Thing uh, movie. Well done, very well done. Now, um, just... Going to that for a second, the original Alien came out in 79, so this um, was, not, I, I wouldn't not, say dumb before, but... Not far apart. But right, uh, it was in the same time, and um, Alien was a lot more subdued, the original. You know, you had the uh, yeah. the, the chest breaking, which was out, outstanding for, for the time, seeing, you know, that, that little uh, monster come through the chest. Uh, and then after that, you had... Uh, Really not to the end of the movie. You saw the alien maybe once uh, full size and like standing up and everything, which I mean was outstanding that they, they had that sort of tension, uh, which was really cool. Be- that was scary. It was kind of like a Jaws effect where, you know, you didn't see a lot of the shark through the entire movie. And then at the end, you got a few uh, scenes here and there, which was totally by accident in that think, movie. Think about Men in Black. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So... um <laughs> I just I just thought that was cool to mention that you know they didn't do a lot with uh, that but then Aliens came out in 86 which was a bit after this and that one had a lot more effects Ooh. a lot more prosthetics Lots. you know a lot more alien stuff going on a lot just, of action uh, th- uh, that I mean that's definitely considered more of a science fiction movie than a horror movie I, I would consider Alien the original more of a horror movie just because it, w- it was a very scary movie Aliens was a lot of lot of guns violence and mm-hmm. stuff it, it wasn't as scary I guess because there was just a lot of gore in it um, but going back to uh, the 82 thing um, they don't, I don't think they overuse a lot of the monster scenes. Uh, I mean, th- this first one just showing, uh, off some of the design, uh, which happens uh, a bit more later, but there isn't a lot of it. Just like in, uh, the original, uh, the thing from another world, you know, you, you catch glimpses of the monster here and there. He's not in scenes for very long, I guess not to, to sort of, um, overuse, the, the character, which I, I feel can happen. I, I, agree. I agree. Especially in uh, some movies. Like, I, when you don't have the best uh, um, monster designs, you kind of have to rely on um, uh, using it sparingly. And I'm not saying it was a bad design, but I'm saying that it was basically a big guy with claws. So, you know, uh, <laughs> again, at the time. But, you know, you flash things here and there. He hits someone, runs out. That's correct. That's scary. It, you know. it, it is scary, and you know if you if you think back to the old uh, Superman uh, TV series with uh, George Reeves, you know there's a there's a plot and stories. He's a reporter for the Daily Planet. Perry White's his boss. Lois Lois Lane's his uh, newspaper partner. Then you got a cub reporter, Jimmy Olsen. But you'd wait and wait and wait for something to happen for Superman to. Jump into that phone booth or the uh, the uh, janitor's closet and immediately come out as this Superman. And you were elated because you you waited the whole first 20, 25 minutes of that half-hour show. And I think more than 40% of it was 
commercials. <laughs> but they, but I, again, you're waiting for that Superman uh, tantamount to waiting for the uh, 1982 uh, goriness of, like you right. said, not not overdone, but they're there, you know. And you know it's going to happen again because they're leading up to it, and it does happen again. Speaking of uh, tension, let's uh, let's talk about this because the the, the movie is approached in two different ways. You have the original one where it's you know it's it's more of like a, a pop in scare factor where you're waiting for that jump to happen, you're waiting for him to come in, you're waiting for that audio cue for him to bust open a door, knock someone, throw someone, kill someone. Uh, where the 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 newer movie, it's it's more about the paranoia, like it's a much more visceral thing. I, I can see that. I could also uh, indicate in the first movie, you had to closely follow the plot. There is a true story there, the way they put it together, and you and that's part of the nail biting. You saw what they were leading up to. You saw it, what 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 they had to do to uh, to destroy this creature that would eventually destroy the earth or the world. Uh, planetary system, uh, possibly, if there was a race out there like him, which obviously there was. Uh, with the 1982 movie, I, I think a lot of it was uh, what you indicated as paranoia. Yeah, exactly, you know. My God, how, did they, well, how are they going to stop this thing, you know? Which leads back to how are they going to stop this vegetable. Right, yeah. So uh, the, the, the two sides of the movie were um, in... The original one, uh, he was trying to get away, maybe to to contact, uh, you know, a race or just get away enough to to kind of. Uh, I, I think what they were trying to get to with the whole plant matter was that if he maybe spreads his plasma, he can grow these things, which would be incredibly scary because then you have an army of these creatures, which it took maybe twenty men to take out one guy. Yeah, exactly, and his arm grew back. If you remember. Uh, when when he jumped through that window, they went after him with rifles and axes. Yeah. But it was the dogs that were sleeping in the snow that attacked the creature and mm -hmm. chewed, chewed his arm off. That's how they found out that it was really a vegetative matter in uh, Carrington's uh, um, laboratory. Um, I hope I'm not going too fast for this. No, 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 no. I, I mean, uh, we're, we're going the right pace because uh, you're talking about the, the creature trying to escape. And I was going to go to... Uh, you keep seeing people trying to leave the compound in the uh, the the newer uh, film, the uh, eighty two film, and um, you, you keep wondering why. And they they sort of allude to it is that uh, he's leaving because he wants to get to an actual population where he can uh, th this 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 alien can infect more people. Thing. And the, the thing is, is that you wouldn't know that it's infecting anyone because it looks just like you till the moment it Humanoid, strikes. right, exactly. And uh, that, that's where the, the paranoia plays into it. I agree with you 100%, exactly. That, that, that's, that's where it mushrooms. That's where it really comes by. You say, oh my God, what is next? But again, paranoia-wise, uh, you don't know until it happens. Right. Right. Uh, so, so let's uh, let's let's keep moving a little bit um, now. Again, the the way the monsters are uh, defeated and stuff are uh, also kind of different too. Um, uh, but I, I guess let's talk about the uh, the set designs real quick uh, because th they're relatively the same. I mean, besides the the time period being taken place, it's it's an Air Force base. Uh, where, you know, it's just bunkers after bunker after bunker. Um, and a, a lot of things, uh, well, one thing that a lot of people like to talk about is that in the original movie, there's a lot of doors opening and closing. 
I, I believe there was a count one time. Like you're, you're absolutely right, and that came out in, in some science fiction stories a lot. Yes, absolutely. And one of the first times that happened is when Captain Hendry, Kenneth Toby, was summoned into General Fogarty's headquarters. Right. And the wind and snow is blowing in, and Fogarty's famous saying was, close the door. And uh, the last thing that uh, Kenneth Toby said uh, when um, Captain Hendry, when uh, Fogarty tells him what to do and use any means and I want the creature alive. Right. And Captain Hendry says, yes, sir, I will do it, sir. And I'll close the door. <laughs> and there were several doors opening and closing in the, uh, the scene at the North Pole. By the way, the, uh, the North Pole uh, establishment was very small. It was basically one building. It was the uh, the station uh, in Anchorage, Alaska, that was sprawling. Uh, right, right. The uh, okay, uh, and I, I was going to compare it to the newer one, where I, I guess to try and uh, give a little bit more uh, space in the movie, because there's a lot of uh, running around in the newer one. Um, yeah, definitely. They they had uh, a couple compounds where mm -hmm. this monster was going back and forth, mm -hmm. um, but there there was also this feeling of claustrophobia be in both of them, uh, which I, I guess is yeah, sort of, of the point of it, uh, because you you know you're stuck with these people trapped, and in, in both senses you know there's something lurking waiting for you. Uh, in, in, in both movies, which is a, a scary sense when you think about it. There's a, there's yep. a lot of uh, different feelings in this movie going on as it's uh, as it's happening. And I, I mean, the, the paranoia is one thing, but the claustrophobia is another thing entirely. You know, you you got a good good glimpse, good view, um, and a, equipment to view the 1982 movie. Um, you were kind enough to, to buy the original for me on uh, DVD. Um and I had seen it several times on TV over the years, but nothing like having it full length on a DVD. And uh, that those are the memories that'll never be erased from from my mind from when I was a six year old kid, for which I'm now 72. So, you know, you, those things don't leave you just like Forbidden Planet. But we'll get to that in another story. Um, I don't know how far how fast you want to go at this, but <clears throat> they were they were grouped into. Um, one of the, uh, again, they were in a mess hall and they were deciding, you know, how, how, to, how to destroy this thing in the original, you know, how to, how to kill it. And uh, they say, I don't know, uh, how do you kill a vegetable? And the secretary blurts out while she's holding a big pot of coffee, she says, boil it. And they say, what? She says, boil it, boil it, broil it, fry it. And that's when one of the techs come up with bright idea and they show you his face front on what are, you, what are you thinking of and he says fry it we can build a venus fly trap which is a three-point electrical conductive track which they eventually did but um, i'll defer to you now and you, you carry on uh yeah so so in, in this part of the movie uh which i i mean this is where there's way more science fiction in the uh, original than in the uh, the newer one. Uh, firstly, in the, the 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 first one, you know, they're talking about this this electrical current that they're going to make that they're going to trap 
the um, the creature in which I, I I guess would kind of act like a subway rail where you step on it you get like electrocuted because there's there's um, current going through precisely it. as long as you touch two conductors right so uh, in this case they had three conductors a three phase. So, yeah, they, they were going to run a huge amount of current through it, which would essentially fry the creature. Where did. in the, the new one, it was just like, we're going to burn the fucking thing. We're going to get flamethrowers, and yeah. we're going to burn anyone who uh, looks like a, an alien. Uh, so, I, yeah, it, th- this is this is kind of where, you know, uh, the science fiction in one is uh, is is is... Uh, a big deal and you know and the other one kind of takes a back seat so uh what, what they end up doing is in the uh the the original release is you know they end up electrocuting this thing and ends up getting fried and you can see it like it almost shrinks doesn't it it shrinks down the, what the the technician said okay that's all shuttle off and and kenneth toby captain henry says no let it go i don't want any part of it left so it it melted down to like uh, it fried down to cinders. And something most people don't know that they they used different characters to portray the creature as it was frying. There were two, um, let's call them little people, <laughs> that were employed to uh, play that part as it was uh, frying. But yeah, right. that's eventually uh, eventually how uh, how did he destroy the creature? So uh, in the the newer one, you know, they, uh, this this thing basically takes over everyone at uh, at some point, and Kurt Russell's just frying everyone the fuck up. Uh, <laughs> I, I believe at the end of the movie, uh, I, I forget the uh, the actor's name is the black actor. Um, he's got a big gap in his teeth. You know who I you remember him from the movie? I can't remember uh, his name for the life of me. But uh, it's him, Wilford Brimley, and Kurt Russell at the end of the movie. Of course. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Wilford Brimley tries to escape to what looks like a cave, which I, I think had the spaceship in it that they the crash landed in. And um, yeah, they, they ascertained that that creature had been working on that spaceship for some time. Right, and you know he was trying to take back off in it mm-hmm. or try to escape to somewhere where there'd be more people. Yeah. Um, so you know it, it goes all the way to the end because you don't really know Wilford Brimley is this thing to the very end of the movie, which he could have been the entire time because. Yeah. Uh, there's there's no real timeline for when these things uh, can contracted uh, with the human, so um, it, it's it's kind of weird because Wilfred Brimley always seemed like the voice of reason in this part, and then he turns out to be the the last remaining factor in this, and it, it gets to the point where uh, Kurt Russell is uh, cornered by this um, uh, uh, monster now because Wilfred Brimley I believe does morph at some point. Uh, and they end up setting a like a he starts setting up a whole charge in the cave uh, in the cave, uh, but then he gets cornered and the other actor, which I it's gonna bother me why I can't remember his name. I'm gonna look it up while I'm talking, but uh, he ends up uh, helping Kurt Russell out, and uh, I believe they end up blowing the the cave up together, um, and you know they just end up leaving like that. I, I believe there are two survivors in, at the end mm-hmm. of the movie. Uh, which I, I mean was kind of cool that they had uh, um, two survivors uh, with that because it looked like there was going to be no one left at the end of the movie, and they kind of just walk off into the snow at the end of the movie, which uh, was, was not, not surprising. Yeah, yeah. You know, while you're, while you're researching that that guy's name uh, and cutting to the uh, chase, going to the end of the uh, original, the thing from another world, Captain Hendry. Um, his gal pal, uh, uh, Dr. Carrington's um, um, secretary and a bunch of other guys are in the uh, the, the press room, staff room, I should say, uh, where they're uh, able to telegraph and transport uh, 
media, and Captain Hendry says, okay, Scotty, you want your story? You go ahead and bro- broadcast it. You got it. And Scotty broadcast to the world how um, – in uh, an arc uh, uh, once uh, once saved the world. Um, well, this world was saved with an arc of electricity, uh, and he gives uh, kudos to uh, to um, Captain Hendry. Doctor Carrington, of course, was uh, badly injured. A few people died, but he says his last words were, "Keep watching the sky, keep looking." Yeah, it uh, it had a bit more of an open end, which I thought was kind of cool. Uh, the the actor I was looking for in the nineteen eighty two movie was a uh, Keith Keith Daniel, uh, played Childs, who I believe okay. is the the person that mm-hmm. does end up leaving with um, uh, Kurt Russell in mm-hmm. the movie. Um, but yeah, they they kind of have two two different endings because the the end of the movie in the eighty two one is kind of like very desolate. You know, they just kind of walk off. I mean, the alien's dead, but. Besides that, it kind of sucks because they're stranded in the middle of freaking Alaska, <laughs> or uh, I'm sorry, the the <coughs> South Pole, um, which was uh, sad. And then the 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 older one, it was just you know the monster's dead. There's plenty of people um, around. Yeah, it was it, definitive. Yes. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, so I I mean to wrap this up, I had between both movies, I know you like the original because it has uh, you know a sort of a nostalgic uh, connection for you. But I, I mean, would you recommend watching? Uh, both to people, or you know, would you only say you would watch the original? Or uh, again, you know, we discussed this briefly uh, in the recent past. I, I think there was there was some indication that the uh, the eighty two sequel um, had the same direction as the original, but then again, they were totally different, you know. But but a lot of time has passed between the original and the new one, and. Um, Technology has changed, and they showed a lot of it. There's a lot of, a lot of action, a lot of firepower, a lot of flamethrowers, which you didn't see much of in the original one. It was, it was all left it up, up to your id, your, your inner mind, you know, your conscience to think of. I think I know what's going to happen next, but you had to wait for it. Okay. All right. Um, I mean, personally, I, I think they're both great movies, and I think uh, I, I, I think people should watch both of them. I, I don't think there's necessarily an order, but I, I, I am a fan of older movies, and I hate when people, you know, say that they don't like older movies because, you know, they're black and white or the effects aren't as good or something like that, which is a little sad because there's, there's a lot of great storytelling uh, in these movies and a, a lot of achievements – uh, and merits that can be seen in these movies. You know, like when uh, we were talking about The Invisible Man, we talked about all the matting they did to make that character actually invisible, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, it was tough to uh, There's a lot of great uh, moments of tension in um, the thing from another world, uh, which, again, you know, at this time, there wasn't a lot of stuff before this that you could really compare it to, you know, even with... Uh, That's correct, there it, wasn't. Right, aliens, uh, this amount of science fiction. It, it was bi- It was grounded all in a, a current timeline. It wasn't, you know, like Star Trek or Forbidden Planet or anything where it was out in space. It, it was based right when you were seeing the movie. So it was like, well, I, yeah, I guess this could happen. There could well, be you an know, alien. There was, there's a lot to say about that because during the, uh, the uh, early to mid-1940s up, in, up until <laughs> the 60s, there were – Tens of thousands of reports of unidentified flying objects, and that was the uh, the crux of the uh, the thing from another world. And there was a lot of those D-rated movies, you know, Invaders from Mars and 
it just classics. The crawling well, eye. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, that's, that's so but, weird uh, movie. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it was a one-of-a-kind flick. And like I said, uh, hopefully you'll invite me back so we can discuss uh, Forbidden Planet. Yeah, I think we can arrange that. Uh, guys, thank you for uh, tuning in and uh, checking out the podcast. Remember, if uh, you like what we're doing, to leave us a rating on iTunes or wherever you're listening to this. Uh, if you want to contact us, remember to send us an email at mail@geekade.com. If you want to talk to me individually, uh, you can reach me at kimono underscore vestlord on uh, Twitter. Uh, yeah, you know, we could talk about anything. We could talk about what we talked about today, uh, you know, the Thing uh, movies. We can talk about, you know, stuff from the past uh, podcast. Heck, we could just shoot the shit if you want. Uh, so, yeah, uh, you could always reach me on social media. Uh, I don't think you can really reach uh, him anywhere. But, uh, yeah, Dad, do you have any closing comments? You could reach me in a basement drinking beer. But, sure. yeah, I'd like, I'd like to take this opportunity to thank the Vest Lord. Uh, for affording me uh, the time to uh, share this uh, with you and uh, our listening audience. Till then, keep playing games, stay vesseling, and we'll catch you in the next episode.